WRFI Community Radio News is made possible by listeners like you. Help us tell important stories about your community. Head to wrfi.org slash donate. And I'm Fred Balfour. After the headline news, you'll hear a live interview with Cherry Arts-based artistic director Sam Bagan about the company's next live stream play, Hotel Good Luck, streaming live from the State Theater of Ithaca, February 12th through the 22nd. But first, here's a weather forecast, courtesy of the National Weather Service. Tonight, chance of snow showers and breezy with a low in the upper teens. Saturday, Cloudy and windy with a chance of snow showers and a high in the low 20s. Saturday night, cloudy with a low in the mid-teens and looking to Sunday, partly sunny with a high in the mid-20s. And now here's tonight's news for Ithaca and Watkins Glen. In local news, the Ithaca Voice reports that the city of Ithaca has released a total of 51 police body camera videos captured during a series of protests that occurred on October 22, 2020. On that day, seven people were arrested, and the Ithaca Police Department used pepper spray to subdue the protesters. The videos show the actions taken by members of the Ithaca Police Department, Tompkins County Sheriff's Office, the New York State Police, and Cornell University Police Department, all of which were involved in the response process uh, to the protests. In the morning of October 22nd, following Reed's press conference outside a Republican campaign office on Meadow Street in Ithaca, police arrested one protester who was against uh, speaking out against Republican Congressman Tom Reed. After that, protesters walked down to the IPD headquarters on Clinton Street, calling for the release of that individual. Outside of the headquarters, demonstrations continued throughout the day and police suddenly apprehended two individuals and dragged them into the IPD building. The group of protesters began to demand the release of all individuals. Police eventually attempted to subdue the crowd using pepper spray. Ithaca Mayor Savanti Myrick released the videos following his effort to enlist the New York State Attorney General's office to review police conduct on that day. Myrick's office stated that the AG's office declined citing personnel shortages and indicating that the matter was not within its jurisdiction. Myrick also released the videos and information about the events of October 22nd to the Community Police Board for a review and determination of whether police acted appropriately. He said in a press release that, quote, In the meantime, having reviewed all this material, I believe the rhetoric and behavior of some of the protesters was dangerously unproductive and intended to provoke violence from onlookers, end quote. The Tompkins County Health Department is reporting a number of potential public exposures to COVID-19. One, our first one to report tonight is at 5 Below in Ithaca at 744 South Meadow Street. The date of the exposure to COVID was on Saturday, January 16th from 11 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. 
The other reported exposure to COVID-19 is at the Ithaca Walmart, located at 135 Fairground Memorial Parkway. An employee tested positive for the virus and was contagious during their shifts on Saturday, January 9th from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., Tuesday, January 12th from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Wednesday, January 13th from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. You may, res you may review the specific days and times on the webpage tompkinscountyny.gov slash health and click on public exposures. The health department recommends anyone who may have been exposed to the virus to monitor their health for any COVID-19 COVID symptoms. Learn more about how to get tested at wrfi.org slash coronavirus. Now we'll take a look at the local COVID-19 caseload. The number of hospitalizations due to complications from the virus are at 19 as of yesterday. According to the Tompkins County Health Department, as of the time of our 6 p.m. broadcast, there are 299 active cases of COVID-19. Yesterday, there were an additional 31 positive cases and 21 people released from quarantine. Today, the Tompkins Health Department issued a press release urging the public to continue following COVID-19 safe behavior, adding that there have been several new clusters of the virus locally. Those cases were among a gathering at a place of worship where masks were not worn, a daycare setting, a law enforcement training event, and two workplace settings. In Schuyler County, there were 15 new cases of COVID-19 reported. 56 active cases remain, according to their health department. 12 people are now hospitalized due to the virus. In some COVID-19 vaccine news, Ithaca Longview Senior Living Community held its first round of COVID-19 vaccination clinics today for residents and staff. Further are scheduled in coming months. According to the Ithaca Times, Longview is teaming up with CVS Pharmacy to administer the vaccine on three dates, today, February 12th, and March 5th. Residents and staff at nursing homes and other congregate care facilities are among the New Yorkers in Phase 1A of the vaccination plan. No other vaccine clinics in Tompkins or Schuyler County have been announced as of our 6 p.m. broadcast. City of Ithaca third ward alderperson Donna Fleming has announced that she will be retiring from the Common Council at the end of the year, reports the Ithaca Voice. Fleming has served in her position since 2011, working as a member of the Planning and Economic Development Committee. She told the Voice that one of her proudest accomplishments was developing the legislation that formed the sidewalk improvement districts. Another facet of her experience on Common Council has been encouraging a culture of tolerance and respect and carrying out public discourse. Fleming indicated that there has been that it has been important to set an example as an elected official that knows how to collaborate when needed and disagree respectfully when necessary. Fleming will be serving until the end of the calendar year. In the coming legislative session, she hopes to focus on developing opportunities for employment and economic development in areas outside of hospitality, tourism, and education. She's looking to perhaps emphasize growth in areas like high-tech and light manufacturing. A new law is setting standards for short-term property rentals and Airbnbs in Dryden, 
that's according to the Ithaca Times. Community members have been concerned about the growth and impact of short-term rentals and the lack of regulatory structure. The town of Dryden passed a local law in December 2020 amending the Dryden zoning law. This law defines a short-term rental as renting a residence or a portion of a residence to the same person or people for less than 30 consecutive days. It also restricts the rental to no more than 30 days in the year where the owner is not present, but either the owner or an agent is available locally in order to respond to complaints about the condition of the residence or the conduct of the occupants. Additionally, short-term rentals are not to be used by more than two occupants per bedroom. Local Councilman Dan Lamb said the 30-day maximum was to prevent someone from buying a house in the neighborhood for the sole purpose of perpetually renting it out on a short-term basis. The Watkins Glen Area Chamber of Commerce is now accepting nominations for its 2021 annual awards. The four awards are Community Spirit Award, Leadership and Business Award, Lifetime Achievement Award, and the Max Neal Award. Members of the Watkins Glen community are encouraged to submit nominations for each category. Criteria for the categories can be found at the website watkinsglenchamber.com. Repeating that, it's watkinsglenchamber.com. Award nominations must be submitted no later than Monday, February 15th. They can be submitted by mail, email, or faxed to Michael Hardy, Executive Director of the Chamber. His email address is michael at watkinsglenchamber.com. Now looking to some New York State news. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo wants to add a $1 convenience fee to online transactions at the DMV as part of New York's budget proposal. That's according to the Ithaca Journal. The fee would apply to millions of transactions each year. It would take effect 180 days after the budget proposal becomes law and would expire after five years. The money would be deposited into the state's Highway and Bridge Trust Fund and is meant to support and upgrade the DMV's technology infrastructure and contactless customer service. The agency has moved much of its operations online and reduced in-person density during the pandemic and now hopes to use the revenue from the fee to expand on this approach. If approved, the $1 fee would be added to the existing vehicle registration fees, driver and learner permit fees, and non-driver identification card fees. The fee would bring in an estimated $3.8 million in state revenue in the the first fiscal year and approximately $13 million the next four years before expiration. The fee depends on the final outcome of budget negotiations between Governor Cuomo and state lawmakers in the coming months. They have until March 31st to pass an on-time budget, which would go into effect on April 1st. In national news, cabinet appointments are moving along, and Secretary of Defense nominee Lloyd Austin's Senate confirmation may come today. News on the indigenous people's reaction to Biden's cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline permit, plus new details on COVID-19 response, courtesy of our friends over at the Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we track the country in uncharted territory. 
On this vote, the yeas are 69, the nays are 27, the 60-vote threshold having been achieved, the bill is passed. Congress quickly approved a special waiver yesterday to allow Lloyd J. Austin, a recently retired four-star Army general, to serve as Secretary of Defense. Normally, an enlisted person must be out of the military for seven years before heading the department. Congress granted the same waiver four years ago to Trump's defense nominee. If confirmed, Austin would be the first African-American to lead the Pentagon. A Senate vote could come today. At the confirmation hearing for Transportation Secretary, nominee Pete Buttigieg focused on safety in another way. I believe good transportation policy can play no less a role than making possible the American dream. If confirmed, Buttigieg, former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, and Democratic presidential primary candidate, would be the first openly gay cabinet member. His critics point to thin experience and mistakes with race relations as obstacles in managing large federal projects. The Senate can't try former President Donald Trump until they receive the article of impeachment from the House. Soon, says Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Republican Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, now Senate Minority Leader, is reportedly pushing for the trial to start in early February to buy Trump's legal team time to prepare a defense. With reporters now gaining more regular access to the president, one asked if President Joe Biden's 100 million COVID vaccine shots in 100 days goal was a low target, given the high current infection rate. When I announced it, you all said it's not possible. Come on, give me a break, man. The Biden administration released a 200-page document yesterday outlining their COVID response strategy. Beyond signing 10 COVID-related executive actions, Biden invoked the Defense Production Act for vaccine production, increasing testing and vaccine distribution, and requiring masks on federal property and interstate travel, including planes, trains, and buses. South Dakota tribal leaders were quick to applaud Biden's permit cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline. Some already wrote the new president, demanding quick and decisive action on another pipeline crossing their state, the Dakota Access Pipeline. Chase Ironeyes of the Lakota People's Law Project says seeing Keystone blocked again is encouraging. He hopes Biden will go further. To uphold federal law, which requires um, a proper environmental impact statement in the Dakota Access Pipeline, Activity paused last year after a judge ordered more extensive environmental review. The Dakota Access Pipeline runs along the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation. Both pipelines face heavy opposition from indigenous communities and their supporters, and both pass through South Dakota and Nebraska, among other states. Immigration groups also welcomed Biden's proposed immigration bill. If approved, it would be the first so-called mass legalization since 1986 during the Reagan administration. Mike Moan contributed reporting. For Pacifica Network and Public News Service, I'm Laura Rossbrath-Tellum. Thanks for listening. And that concludes our headline news for tonight. Coming up, a conversation with Cherry Artspace Artistic Director Sam McGowan about the company's next live stream play, Hotel Good Luck, streaming, streaming live from the State Theater of Ithaca, February 12th to the 22nd. That's after the break right here on WRFI Community Radio News. Stay with us. Time Goes, live by Nina Simone, here on WRFI Community Radio News. I'm your host, Michaela Savitt, 
And I am pleased to be joined now live by the Cherry Art Space Artistic Director, Sam Begallon, who is speaking with me tonight about the company's next live stream play called Hotel Good Luck. Welcome back to WRFL, Sam. Thank you, Michaela. It's great to be talking to you on your last day. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, talk about that a, li a little later on for our listeners, but... Um, just, I'm so excited because it feels like there's so many coincidences with this um, production from the Cherry, um, because it's about a radio DJ, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, without giving too much away, can you um, tell our listeners uh, what this new, uh, play wow. is all about coming up in February? Sure. It's, uh, you know, it's one of our live stream projects originally from the theater um, down in Chandler. They, they uh, have been a tremendously great partner of ours this season uh, as we're being, um, you know, running the show there and they're just uh, terrific partners. Uh, so uh, this is a Mexican play, you know, um, we do a lot of international plays and uh, try to capture really great plays that are, you know, sort of taking a little non-English language, a little by storm. And this is a really beautiful piece. It's kind of a solo show, but there's a second character who's also a musician. Um, and as you say, it's about a late night radio DJ, you know, a guy who's kind of, um, you know, maybe a little lost. He's a kind of like, you know, 30-something guy who um, has a, his radio station, his late night radio station is basically his dad's house. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I love that gorilla radio. <laughs> Spanish um, 
I was going to say congratulations on having it, the world premiere, um, you know, in our, our uh, you know, small but mighty city of Ithaca, New York. That is so, you know, so exciting for the Charlie. Thank you. Thanks very much. We are, um, do you know what, can I just want to say that uh, the new theater scene is very invested in a way that is really great. Well, I live in the U.S., but I live in New York. Um, and I love it. It's just like there's so much really amazing work out there in Latin America and Europe and um, East America. Uh, I mean, all sorts of places. And so far, we've moved into Latin America, Europe, Eastern Europe, uh, Western Europe, Eastern Europe. Uh, uh, hoping to expand it soon. Um, and uh, but because we're one of the you know small number of companies doing this stuff, uh, it's really exciting to be able to get um, such such beautiful plays that are so important around the world. And um, and uh, we get people who get to work on them first thing, but it's really exciting. Uh, and it's great. And it's great to be able to be able to make a show without a sort of passionate sort of like audience community. Um, but, and, but nowadays, like, it's so weird, of course, to be a theater maker where mm-hmm. uh, we're learning how to do other things that have, you know, that aren't just saying, you know, so this show will be screened in the home. You know, you'll buy your tickets for the night and it'll be a live performance. Like, you will actually see the performance of the actors are doing like that at a safe theater. You know, like that maybe they're not even taking eight seconds away or something like that, but that's the show that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And it will only be up for that night. So it really is live in that sense. Um, but the great thing is that we're able to, to, you know, that people can see it from anywhere. And that's what we found on the last two shows we did like this, that um, there were a, a few of our Ithaca audience members didn't sign up for the live stream experience. And I totally get that, you know. Mm-hmm. But then we more than made up for that with, with people around the country and around the world who, um, who were able to tune in to the show. So that's been really an exciting um, upside. You know, you have to sort of find a Right, right, and it's, it's been such a, a, a challenging time for artists uh, in the yes. pandemic. Everything just, you know, theater just totally going dark in uh, a lot of productions and uh, companies. Yeah. So, you know, again, we've spoken before about how the Charlie's adapted, um, and we have a we have a couple minutes left. Do you want to talk a little bit about? Um, you know what's next for the Cherry Arts after this production? I know you have one more show planned yeah. and another season. Well, Book Two will, uh, will spin around the Cherry Arts world for a while, though, that we have done two Pinfoil Walking plays in the past, which were formed, again, a kind of Euro form, and we, and we found out about it and have done two projects that were really exciting in our foreign country and in the same chapter. And so it's a perfect form for socially distanced time. Like if you go, it's outdoors, you go to a place, you bring your own headphones, and um, and you just walk and enjoy the play. And this is a play that um, we're so excited is uh, called Trap Door, and it, it, it explores the history.
to specifically um, civil rights and underground railroad eras, the pioneers, and the sites, specific places um, that were significant in those eras. It's written by Larry Ventig Christanis, who's an amazing poet and playwright who's written a lot with the Chariots of the Year, which is a great segment for companies that uh, teaches, teaches poetry at Cornell and a national book award finalist who's just an amazing, brilliant writer. And so this will be our biggest collaboration with Larry to date. And that'll come up in May. But in the meantime, it's okay good luck. Uh, it's coming up in February, and we hope folks will want to get their tickets soon. Hopefully, yes, uh, yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Sam McGowan. Uh, we've been speaking tonight uh, with Sam, who's a comes on every couple of every couple of weeks or so, I would say, uh, and he is the um, artistic director at the Cherry Art Space in Ithaca. Uh, Hotel Good Luck streams live from the State Theater of Ithaca uh, from February 12th to the 22nd, and you can learn more at thecherry.org. Sam, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Michaela. Uh, it's just always a delight to talk to you. Um, and all the best with all of the things. Yeah, thanks so much. Good luck with the, or break a leg with the show. <laughs> as we said, you know, like you say. All right. Yeah, you take care. Again, that was Sam Gellin. Uh, the Artistic Director of the Cherry Art Space. And again, you can learn more about that production at the Cherry Arts, the Cherry.org. That's the Cherry.org. And that will do it for our program today. The headlines at the top of our program were written by WRFI contributors Esther Rakuzin and Susan Fortson. I'm Fred Balfour, and my co-host is Michaela Savitt, WRFI News Director and Executive Producer for our program. Today is her last day, and I'm going to hand things off so she can say a few words and give her a, a virtual hug from me. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. Um, I wrote up a little thing to share with uh, you, our listeners. Um, so I'm just going to read it. And my apologies. I'm human, so there might be a couple tears. Uh, dear listeners, friends, and comrades, uh, I'm here to share with you that today is my last day as the WRFI news director and my last time hosting WRFI community radio news at six. As we continue to face this global pandemic, I've decided to move to a new city, that being New York City where I'll be closer to my family and loved ones. As many of our regular listeners and social media followers probably know, as we've been sharing all week, starting this coming Monday, January 25th, the regular evening WRFI news program will go on hiatus, though you will hear a special broadcast all week at 6 p.m. of our new public affairs program, which way forward reforming public safety. Our amazing team will still bring you headline news throughout each weekday and all next week at 6 p.m. Then on Friday, February 5th, the team will launch the new weekly program, which will air at 5 p.m. We know this is a big change, 
but with hope this pause will allow the station to examine our listeners and community's needs in terms of a news structure, timing, and content, and in turn bring our program to even greater heights. On that note, we would love your feedback, which you can submit at wrfi.org. I want to thank all of our listeners and WRFI news team for working with me uh, the past several years. I've loved working here, sharing the stories of this amazing community from fighting climate change, uplifting voices of social justice movements, elections, local events of all kinds, and just the unique citizens that we live next to. I also wanted to just throw it out there. It's actually kind of funny and oddly fitting that my last interview was about theater and radio. Um, Some of you know my radio career had humble beginnings at WICB, Ithaca College's radio station, and was on their Broadway show, Best of Broadway. I don't know how and when it happened, but at some point I started doing live interviews and fell in love with sharing stories on the radio. I owe so much of where I got to today to my comrades at ICB, Cougar Radio Group, WRFI, and of course, the other local journalists I've met along the way. For eight years, I've been an Ithaca resident where the studio was my playground and the greater Ithaca area was my adoptive home. I'll miss this place dearly. So I wanted to end this farewell with an excerpt of the poem Ithaca by C.P. Cavafy, translated by Edmund Keeley. As you set out for Ithaca, hope your road is a long one, full of adventure, full of discovery. Keep Ithaca always on your mind. Arriving there is what you're destined for. Don't hurry the journey at all. If you find her poor, Ithaca won't have fooled you. Wise as you will have become, so full of experience, you'll have understood what these Ithacas mean. It's been an absolute honor to share stories with you listeners in my 18 months as news director and seven years on the Ithaca airwaves. Thank you. We'll be back Monday at 6 p.m. with more stories impacting our communities, presented by the first episode of our new public affairs series, Which Way Forward? Reforming Public Safety. I'm Michaela Zavitt, and on behalf of the entire WRFI news team, take care. Be well, and have a good evening. Two, three. W R F I.